Hallelujah. God, we glorify you this morning. We exalt your holy name, Lord God, because you have never lost a battle and you never will. You are a mighty warrior, oh God, and you cause us to overcome. We have victory in everything, Lord God. Every battle, every challenge, every difficulty, you cause us to triumph. So we bless your name this morning. We glorify you. We exalt you this morning. Oh God, our hearts are full of worship and praise. Our hearts are full of adoration, oh God. Our hearts are full of love for you this morning. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, your steadfast love toward us, oh God. You've never failed us. Thank you that we have a rock that we can stand on. We have been established, oh God, by your word. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but your word will remain, oh God. We thank you today, Lord God, that we have the assurance, oh God, that you are with us and that we won't lose, Lord God. Even though we walk through this, the, the, the valley of death, Lord God, we will not fear because we know that you are with us. Everything that we have need of, Lord God, you have supplied. We thank you for your protection, even during this challenging time, Lord God. Thank you for your angels that encamp round about us and keep us, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, that your word concerning each and every one of us will not fail. Because you yourself watch over that word to perform it. We thank you, Lord God, this morning, and we glorify you for everything you're going to do in our midst this morning. We say, have your way, Holy Spirit. We step aside, and we give you full reign this morning. Do what you do best. Hallelujah. Meet every need. Go, hallelujah, throughout the airways, Lord God. Heal bodies that are in need of healing today, Lord God. Bring deliverance where it is needed. Bring peace where it is needed. You are the author of peace, oh God. Bring comfort for those who have lost loved ones today, Lord God. You are the very lifter of our heads, and we look to you. We look to you. Hallelujah. Because you are a strong tower. You are a refuge, our strength, our very present help in time of trouble. So we thank you today, Lord God, for your mercies once again. Thank you for your grace once again. Thank you for your love that is our banner once again. Thank you, God, for covering us. Hallelujah. 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 We bless your name this morning, Lord God. Have your way in our midst this morning, Lord God. Let your word go forth with power and with might, Lord God. Clear the airways now, Father, and everything that you meant to be said, that is what will be said. Thank you for hearts that have already been seated to receive your word that will come forth this morning. Thank you for the fruit that it will bear, Lord God. We claim a hundredfold in the name of Jesus. We're worshiping you, God, hallelujah, for the things that you will do in our midst. And everyone in agreement said, amen. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning to you that are joining us, all of our guests. Those of you that have found this to be your place of worship every Sunday, and those of you that are in various states around the country, 
We welcome you to our service this morning. God is good. That song was powerful. And if we had been here in the worship center, if our church had been gathered this morning, I think you guys know we'd be still singing that song. <laughs> that song would be still going on and the aisles would be filled with people worshiping. So we thank God for that. I'm going to ask that you would get your Bibles and get your computers, the things that you use to follow the word and move around with me on the word and join me in the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. Verse, we're going to start at verse 26 through verse 29. That is our text this morning. And here is our, the context of what we're going to be talking about today. Unshakable. 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 We need some unshakable people during these shakable times. Unshakable. So let's read the text and let's begin to unpack what God would have us to understand today. At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship. Acceptable worship. Let us offer to God acceptable worship. Let us offer to God acceptable worship. Yeah, there we are. Acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Notice what the text says. The removal of things that are made can be shaken. The removal of things that are not made remain. The text visits the Old Testament with a vivid reminder of how God gave the law, while also calling our attention to his future return. The focus of the text is Moses with Israel. He brings the people to meet God at the foot of Mount Sinai. And what happens is the mountains represent strength and power and stability. It was at this mountain that God gave him the commandments. Israel were to live by these commandments that God gave. And the purpose of commandments was to build a social order among these people that when they entered the lands they would enter in with the other inhabitants, they would have a uniqueness about them given to them by God that would stabilize their community in the midst of these very unstable 
communities. That's what God's words does. It stabilizes. So they were to live among people who were not responsive or who were not committed to the law that God would give. Sounds kind of familiar to us today. It sounds like we who are called peculiar people walking through the earth, living in the various places we live, the scripture calls us a peculiar people among inhabitants that don't respect the Lord. Very similar. But this event, this kind of event, is not easily forgotten. It's one of those times in the New, in the, and in the New Testament, it's, it's being rehearsed by Paul, the writer of the, of, of the Hebrews. He says, because it would be similar to another event that would be far more spectacular in the future. It is those spectacular events that God gets our attention, like this one. Not saying he created it, but it is spectacular nonetheless. Like every industry, every institution shutting down, this is what we call a spectacular event. Paul, who wrote this, is saying, just as his voice shook the earth then, Israel wanted him, they wanted to be in his presence, they wanted to be near God, they wanted to be in his presence, he brings them to the mountain, and the mountains shake with God's voice. He's going to shake things again. But the next shaking will be different. The whole earth and the heavens will be shaken at that time once and for all. The whole planet, the heavens, everything will shake. God promises to shake everything that can be shaken. But what cannot be shaken will remain. So the question remains, the question is, what is it that will remain? What is it that can't be shaken that will remain after he shakes the heavens and the earth when he returns? His kingdom is that which cannot be shaken. It is his kingdom that can't be shaken. Paul wrote it. He said, we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. His kingdom is the only thing that has not been shaken through all of this, even through this time. His kingdom has not been shaken. That's what will be established when he returns. It's his kingdom. Like Mount Sinai, the text is telling us what is coming in the future will be permanent. It will be permanent. It won't be temporary. It will be permanent. But Jesus introduced it when he began his ministry, and he gave us a foretaste of it. When Jesus came, notice what he says in the text. Notice what he says. This is what he says. Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. So if the kingdom cannot be shaken and the kingdom is in me, guess what? The only things that can be shaken are things that are made. Things that are not made, things God created, things he's over, things he's ordained, those things cannot be shaken. Jesus said the kingdom is within you. The commandments, the purpose of the commandments was to build a strong social order. Like I said, God gave 613 laws to Israel and he compiled them when we got to the New Testament. When Jesus came, we got a new order, a new, a new testament, a new promise. And upon those 16, 613 commandments, he, he synthesizes them down into two. 
Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. Keep those commandments and you keep all 613. Because of this, he made those who would believe and trust in him unshakable. Turn to the person next to you in your home and say, I'm unshakable. <laughs> You've got the kingdom inside of you. You are unshakable. You have something that has not been made by hands. We are anchored to an unshakable God and an unshakable kingdom. That is security. That secures me. I am anchored to an unshakable God who cannot be shaken and an unshakable kingdom. God does not shake. God does the shaking. I need you to understand that this morning. Our God does not shake. He does the shaking. Historically, all kings are replaced and all kingdoms fall. Did you hear what I said? All kingdoms are replaced and all kingdoms fall. No matter how great they are, they have all fallen at some point. What is the sustainable factor about this one is God himself. He is the sustainer of this one. The difference from all the other kingdoms is that those kingdoms are external. They were, they were established, empires established by men and, and, and those who would go into lands and conquer the people, taking territory. That was physical. This kingdom is not physical. It's not temporal. This kingdom is eternal. Why? Because it's on, in the hearts of men and women everywhere. So it be, there would be nothing temporal about this kingdom. This one is permanent. The others were built through ingenuity and strength, wisdom of humans. This kingdom is built by the creator who framed the world with his words. In all documented history, we have had people make promises We've had one person come along and make some promises and back those promises up. He rose from the dead. He validated that by revealing himself or showing himself to over 500 people. The 500 people saw him rise after he rose from the dead. For him to say he's going to shake things again, I think we need to take heed because not taking heed would be a bad idea. <laughs> he's going to shake things again he's coming back unshakable attributes that Jesus had there were some unshakable attributes that were inherent in Jesus and there are some unshakable attributes that are inside you some people look at believers and wonder why aren't they crushed why aren't they they, they having an emotional fit. What's wrong with them? They have something inside them that sustains them. There's a hope beyond hope. There's a perspective unlike the perspective that we have just living on this planet. There's vision that he gives us. What are the unshakable attributes of Jesus? There are several to focus on. I'm just going to focus on one this morning. Everybody say identity. Say identity. Identity 
was the unshakable attribute Jesus had inherent in him. Identity. Say identity again. Look around you at the world. We have people dissatisfied with who they are. We have people who are unhappy with how they've been created. The body that they've been assigned. We have people searching for answers about their origin, where they come from. And DNA is used to trace a family path and provide answers to the personal story of each person. So we send DNA in and we want to know our personal story. Where do I come from? Why? We're on a quest to establish some kind of missing link to our identity. There are those who deal with this identity crisis in all kinds of ways. Sometimes it's brought on by trauma in life. There are those who self-diagnose, which leads to even greater issues in their lives. You got two components in establishing an unshakable identity. Two components, origin and destiny. Origin and destiny. Humanity is not designed to live peaceably without these two questions resolved. People want to know where I come from and where I'm going to end up. Can you say amen to that? There's a truth to that. A very valid truth. When you settle these two key components that every person needs to have answered. You settled the issues of identity. The issues then become getting the correct answer to those two questions. And it can't even go deeper than that. Origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. We need to know that we have meaning in our lives. So once we settle those two key questions, origin and destiny, we, we come to a place where we understand who we are. The issue is, where do we get those answers? People on a quest look for all kinds of places, through all kinds of ways to try to answer those two questions. Where do I come from? And where I come from kind of tells me where I'm headed. But there's a problem with that. The inherent problem with that is if you've got the wrong answer. Without the knowledge of the creator, origin, you will never arrive at the concept of design. No concept of design, you undermine the discovery of purpose. No discovery of purpose, destiny becomes improbable. I'm going to say that again. Without the knowledge of a creator, origin, you never arrive at the concept of design. No concept of design, you undermine the discovery of purpose. No discovery of purpose, destiny becomes improbable. You can't find your destiny. You'll never know what your destiny is. This being true, we must begin with origin. Where we come from. 
unshakable. I need something unshakable. Where do I come from? Where's my origin? Is it in a land? We tend to identify with all kinds of things, places, land of origin. If I, me as a black man, take me back to Africa and, and identify with Africa, some place where I originated from. The problem with that is I may be part of a weak tribe, not a strong tribe of Africa. And my strength, the, my identification gives me security. But if I come from one of the weak tribes, how empowered can I be? Finances. I identify with what I have, my possessions. The problem with possessions, they're temporary. Identifying a relationship, a man or a woman, some relationship that I have. The problem with that is temporary. Inherent in all of these things that we tend to identify with, the inherent issue is they are weak. There are weaknesses inherent in them. The only one who has everything needed to secure humanity is the creator, the one from whom we come. Our spiritual heritage, our spiritual origin. And that gives you some clues about where we're headed. Here's what Jesus said in so many words. And all you need is my word, and it's good. Jesus had a conversation. He's having a conversation with Pharisees about this very same subject. And he claimed to be the light of the world. That would be considered pretty arrogant if we had somebody among us. He said, you know, I'm the light of the world. So if you're not here, then the world is dark. That's what you're telling me. So Jesus, just picture, picture this, picture this conversation. He shows up and he's talking to these religious leaders, these high-powered religious leaders, and he says, I'm the light of the world. Well, they were finished with him. They objected. They said, all we have is your word on that subject. We need more than your word. And Jesus goes, he says, all you need is my word, and it's good, and this is why. This is why all you need is my word. This is what he said, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. Doesn't mean they believed him. It just means he was totally secure in what he was saying. He knew who he was. Doesn't matter if people believe you. You need to know. You need to be secure. You need to know where you came from and where you're headed. And Jesus knew. Without a clear understanding of his origin, he could never make this unshakable claim. His ministry now begins with a dramatic event. He goes and he gets baptized. And in Luke chapter 3, verse 22, it says this. And the Holy Spirit descended on him and in bodily form, like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. And look at what the voice says. You are my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. He begins after this, his ministry. But look at what the father does. He baptizes his son. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove. The Father speaks. They're all together. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Confirming and affirming who Jesus is. This is my Son. 
with whom I am well pleased. A powerful moment before he begins his earthly ministry. Every father must understand their God-given purpose in their child's life. It is one of affirmation. Affirmation is to confirm or declare something to be true. Father is confirming and declaring, this person we just baptized is my son. Not only is he my son, I am well pleased with him. Boy, I would love to hear my father say that. My father passed when I was a young boy, but I have spiritual fathers today who affirm in me and say things, you're doing well, that's fine, that's good. You need to have that affirmation come from people who you trust, people who you look up to, people who you respect, because it does something on the inside of you. But what if I don't have a father, Pastor? What if I don't have, I never had a father to give me that? Well, I had lost mine at a very young age as well. God gave me some other people. But this is what the father says to us. Notice what he says. A father, David said he's going to be a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. But notice what it says. A father, he will be a father to those who don't have fathers. Those who are alone, lonely, he's going to put you in families, spiritual families. There are no fatherless children in the kingdom. God settled origin issues. Even if your father failed you, he already settles the origin issues. He makes sure it's done. Why? Because he knows you need to be secured. And he gives us that security. He gives us what we need. Even if your father is here, he may not be giving you what he needs. He may not be connected to the source, so he can't give you what you need. But God made sure that you had everything you need coming from him. So that when you meet him, you don't have any excuse. Son, I gave you what you needed. I empowered you. Didn't you hear my voice? I spoke to you. I opened that door. I removed that hedge, that, that, that block in front of you. I'm the one that allowed you to do that. I'm the one. I was with you. And yeah, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. So what he gave Jesus, he gave to us. Father affirms us. Abba. Father, Daddy affirms us. And God knew this was important. He affirms us all through his word because our identity in him must be secured. Even those who are alone, he sets in spiritual families. After this baptism, Jesus returns from the Jordan. He was led by the Holy Spirit to be tested. The very first thing Satan tries to shake, like he does all people, the very first thing he tries to shake is his identity. When God speaks over your life, what God speaks must be tested. I'm going to say that again. When God speaks over your life, what he speaks has to be tested. 
The test comes in many forms, but when he speaks over your life, you've received some things. Some of you received some things from God. He spoke some very specific things over your life. When he speaks, what he speaks has to be tested. I want you to pay attention to this test because it's very unique. It's very, we're going to glean some things out of this test. Let's go to Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I already put it on the screen for you. Save you the trip. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. Led by what? Led by the Spirit in the wilderness. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil, he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. Of course he was hungry. The devil said to him, the devil, Satan, said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. I'm not going to delve into the whole text. Just share it with you and extract some things out of it for you. Before we read through this, you have to understand something about the realm of darkness. Whenever you read in the scriptures that Satan himself is present and not one of his demons, this is a high-level issue. Are you with me? Satan entered and he tries to deceive Jesus. He comes himself he doesn't send a general, one of his lieutenants. He doesn't send anybody. He comes himself the same way he did in one of his disciples. He came himself. That was a high-level issue that he needed to address himself. That gives you some idea of how the realm of darkness works. Satan rarely starts with lies. He very often starts with a dangerous question. Are you hearing me? I hope you're getting this down. Satan rarely starts with lies. He starts with dangerous questions. Did God really say? All doubt begins with a question. All doubt begins with a question. Look at your own doubt. You be, you're doubting some things. You may be doubting some things right now. It's beginning with a question. It started in, with a question. If you ever want to know what's important in life, pay attention to what Satan pays attention to in you. Are y'all hearing me? I'm teaching real good right now. You got to get this. I'm learning from this. Whatever he pays attention to in your life is vitally important to your life. Identity is the cornerstone of a person's life. You undermine identity, you undermine their whole life. Identity is the cornerstone of a person's whole being. If you undermine the identity of the person, you undermine their whole entire life. 
This temptation was about power. This temptation was all about power. Hear me, church, this morning. Get the Son of God to worship Satan by tempting him with power. Get the Son of God to worship Satan, not by Jesus turning the stone to be bread, but by doing something Satan suggests. And Jesus acts independent of God. So this was all about power. Power. Turn the stone into bread. You're God. You're the son of God. You can do it. Turn it into bread. Power. Jesus was offered authority over all the kingdoms of the world. Satan took him and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He said, I'll give you all of this if you just bow down and worship me. Everybody say power. It was about power. He could have done it. But he didn't. Here's another power move, tempting Satan, tempting Jesus to throw himself off the pinnacle of the temple and save himself. This was all about power. He took Jesus to the highest pinnacle of the temple. He said, throw yourself down. You know what God said. He'll give his angels charge to catch you. Jesus could have did it, but he didn't. It was all about power. He had the power to act on his own. But it been, would have been irrespective of his relationship with the Father. He always, and he's always, Satan is always after the word of God over your life. That's what he's after. Here's the key. Satan knows power is the irresistible temptation. Power. Power. People seek power, glory, and honor. Power is an irresistible temptation. And he comes to Jesus, tempting him with this power to exercise your personal power. And he does it with leaders. He does it with people in different situations. It is an exercise of your personal power. Here's a word for leaders. We all experience temptation. And many, many have not passed this test of temptation. We have not passed this power test. Jesus survived the test by one thing. Here's how he survived it. Keeping the will of God, God's word, in the conversation. You got to keep God's word before you. He said, it is written. Every time Satan came, it is written. Every, man doesn't live by bread alone. He lives by every word of God. It is written. It is written. You keep the word of God before you. That is how you deal with power moves Satan tries to introduce you and tempt you with. God and me are one. And I will not disrespect my relationship with him. I've seen it. I've been in ministry almost 40 years. And how many times have I seen this power move succeed in the lives of great men and destroy great ministries? How many times have I seen this power move exercise and destroy lives, destroy families, destroy relationships? 
It's a power move. It's a move of power, and people are tempted by power. The reality is this. Power would have been easier for Jesus to exercise than to resist it. <laughs> exercising his power would have been easier to do than to resist not exercising it. The temptation of power is, the, is, the, is greatest when intimacy is a threat. The temptation to exercise power is the greatest when intimacy is a threat. I need to say that again. Some of you are looking at me right now saying, what is pastor saying? Hang in there with me. The temptation of power is greatest when intimacy is a threat. You see this in relationships all the time and in different types of relationships. You have someone in a relationship that's not as committed to the relationship as the other person. The other person is real committed, totally uh, they're involved, they've bought in to the relationship. The other person is not as committed. But the other person exercises power because it's easier for them than being actively engaged in the relationship. The relationship Jesus had with the Father preceded any independent act of power. Jesus' relationship with the Father was always the issue for him. I always do the will of my Father. I will never act independent of him. My relationship with him is far more important than me to exercise some, some momentary act of power that, that creates a division between he and I, that causes me to act independent. People in relationships, they do it all the time. They seek to control the person instead of involving themselves in the relationship because it's easier to control. It's easier for me to exercise power over someone than to love them. Oh, you need to write that down. It is easier to exercise power over someone than to love them. Love takes work. Love takes responsibility. Love requires accountability. Those elements of character, if I'm not willing to invest that, then it's easier for me just to control the situation. Leaders who lead people, I have found it's easier to control them than to love them. I've watched them control people than love the people. It's easy to do that. Easy to get people to do what you want than to build a true relationship with them. Hallelujah. Somebody need to say amen. Just give me a quick amen. amen. It's easier. You see it all the time. People get abused, hurt. In churches, in workspaces, no matter where they are, wherever relational dynamics happen, people are, they, somebody seeks to control the thing, control the relationship, control what they have. I don't want to invest any time in getting to know you really. That's work. So let me just get you to do what I need you to do. Fulfill my agenda. Here's a key. Knowing who you are 
also includes knowing who you are not. We're talking about knowing who we are through our identity. But your identity also causes you to know who you are not. And that part is just as important as knowing who you are. You need to know who you're not. Because it's who you're not that sometimes we're tempted or we're, or we're, dis, we're, we're deceived into believing who we really are not. And we act out who we are not. Jesus was not stepping across that line. He would not betray the Father. That's not who he was. He was in relationship with the Father. They were in harmony to one accord. He would not break that relationship. If Jesus had done that, it would have been cataclysmic. The Godhead would have split. God knows what would have happened. Consequences of that would have been dreadful. So you tell yourself like Jesus when presented with these opportunities to demonstrate his power. He realized that's what's being tested. That's not who he was. It's the temptation to be God that leads to the abuse of the grace of power that God delegates. It's the temptation to act like God in a situation. It leads to the abuse of the very grace that God gives us to lead. God delegates power, but he expects us to operate with power responsibly. Power is delegated, but it must be used responsibly. Jesus would have no part of it, and he certainly, he certainly could have made the decision. Whenever you act independent of God, you set yourself up to be God. In your life or in the life of the people you're in relationship with. Look at this powerful statement by Henry Nouwen. Many of our leaders, Christian and secular, are those who don't know how to develop healthy, intimate relationships and have opted for power and control. Empire builders are people who don't give love or receive it. Empire builders. You know what an empire builder is? There are people within the body of Christ right now. They're called empire builders. They're not concerned about building the kingdom. See, God came for people and he's returning for people. So people are the objective. I need to say that again. God came for people, and he's returning for people. We could have been back in our churches. God could have dealt with this virus in a heartbeat. We still here, y'all. Wake up. There's a reason. God came for people, and he's returning for people. People are his objective. And when we have empire builders who are only concerned with building an empire unto themselves, they do it at the expense of people. And very often, they don't know how to have healthy relationships. They don't know how to, how to love people. That's a person that doesn't understand their identity in Christ. So when people fall into error, 
We've had some in our church fall into error, follow other things. It's because the identity with Christ was not enough. Their identity with Jesus was just not, just didn't, didn't, didn't satisfy. So they chased something else. And that's when you fall into error. So they search answers and try to resolve their identity in something else. But Jesus was unshakable and so are we when we are secured in him and in his word. That's why the scripture says we do what we do through Christ. Everything we do through Christ. It's our identity in Christ. That's why the scripture says, as he was, so are we in this world. We are to walk unshakable in this world. And he expects us to. Let me wrap it up by saying this. This is what true identity looks like. This is what the true sense of identity looks like. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. Think of yourselves the way Christ thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave and became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredible humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And worth the worst kind at that, a crucifixion. But the following verses after this, 9 and 10 says, But God highly exalted him and gave him a name above every name. That at that name, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. That who? That Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord. He is Lord of lords. King of kings. Why? The Father in his own time exalted him. If you wait on the Father, if you allow the Father to do what he needs to do in your life, if you let him secure you, he will exalt you in due time. And it will be the right exaltation. The Father's time. After this, after he came, he never did anything out of the will of the Father. This is what leads to an unshakable life. This is what leads to us being secured by God. You may hit me. You may knock me down. But you won't destroy me. I may be hit, bruised. But I'm going to rise again. Because there's something about truth. Truth always rises. It has the capacity to keep rising. And in you is the kingdom of God. In you is the spirit of truth. In you is all that God has to deposit in a human life the same way he deposited in his son. We got what we need to secure us, folks. We got everything we need for life 
and godliness. Let's pray. Father, I bless you today. And I thank you for your grace. Thank you for the goodness of your word. I thank you, Lord God, because today you gave us a word that is so timely for this situation and for every situation. That's the power of your word, God. It's timeless and it's enduring. It transcends situations. It's good for any situation. And so we bless you today. We thank you for who you are, God. And my prayer, God, for someone today listening to the gospel of Jesus Christ, someone listening to the words, oh God, that I spoke, may they hear you in those words. And God, I pray that their lives will be transformed today, that they will accept him as their savior, that they will sit there in their living rooms or on their bed or maybe somewhere at work hearing the gospel. God, may it come in and penetrate that dark place and bring light to it, the same light that darkness does not comprehend. I bless you today and I praise you for what you have to give us, what you've deposited in us as your people. Your kingdom come, your will is being done and it will be done. Even in this pandemic, your will is being done. Why? Because you are God, unshakable. And we bless you. Thank you that we know the unshakable God. So my prayer for those today, Lord, who may be crossing from darkness to light, let revelation come, let understanding come to their hearts. I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, bless, you. bless the Lord, TC. I hope you got something out of this today. And those of you that made Jesus Lord, let us drop us a note. Let us know what happened. Send us a note. There's a, a tab there on our site that says, uh, did you pray with pastor? Just send us a tap on it and send us a, some information so we can get some information to you and connect with you and walk you through a process of growth and development. We love you. Be safe. Be smart. And stay rooted in the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Just one moment, and our brother Charles is going to come and lead you in the offering. Amen, and good morning, everyone. My name is Charles Dumas, and I believe that we were all blessed by the message this morning. Amen? This is the time that is set aside for giving, amen? And Luke 6.38 begins with give and it shall be given unto you, amen? So Truth Center family and everyone tuning in from around the world, thank you in advance for your tithes, offerings, and gifts. So if you would be so kind on our website, there is a Give tab, or you can download the app, and you can give there also. So once again, God bless you, and on behalf of Truth Center and its leadership, 
Thank you for giving to the ministry as we move forward in God. God bless you and family like always. Let's give good all the time. And all the time, let's give good. Amen. Family, welcome. Lord, we thank you I once again. You guys. I can't wait to be back in the building with you all. And a very special welcome to everyone who may be joining our home online service for the very first time. If you'd like to stay connected with us, there's a few ways to do so. You could download our app or you could shoot us an email at info at truecenter.org or you can visit our website at truecenter.org. Now we have a few announcements this morning, one being that Encounter, which is our youth ministry for ages 13 and up, will have their service at 11.30 a.m. via Zoom. You're gonna go to the website and click on the banner. Hey, King's Jewels, there's something new for you each week on the website. So parents, be sure to look out for emails regarding Zoom meetings for your little ones. The Gathering, please join us. This is our awesome interactive time of Bible study of the word. It's at 7.30 p.m. on Wednesdays. And you guessed it, it's on Zoom. We have corporate prayer on Mondays and Fridays at 6 a.m. Now this is via conference call. So in order to get all the information, visit the website and click on the events tab. We are continuing to pray for everyone on the prayer list. If you wish to add anyone to the prayer list, please contact the office at 516-621-3814 or send an email to info at truecenter.org. If you have any questions regarding today's announcement or any of our upcoming events, visit our website or download our app. Make sure you have an awesome day on purpose. God is good, amen? Again, join us tomorrow morning for prayer, uh, morning prayer at 6 a.m. And on Friday, 6 a.m. And the gathering, Wednesday night. We've been having a great time Wednesday night on Zoom. It's been amazing. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Father, we bless you today. And thank you for the people of God. Thank you for the time. Thank you, Lord, for this technology you've given us to be able to reach into homes everywhere. We bless you for it, Father. Let peace arrive in the various homes, O oh God, and you be lifted up. You be considered God of every home. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's say something powerful, TC. By this shall all men know ye are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Bless Have you. An awesome day on purpose. <laughs>